we have a birthday party, a 90th birthday party for our founding pastor, Pastor Dale White. It'll be over in the other building here if you want to come by. I know um, everybody's so excited about the, the Super Bowl. I just can't get excited about these two teams, honestly, but um, <laughs> it's just me. It's just me. But uh, it'd be a, just a wonderful opportunity to you know, just kind of celebrate 90 years and um, I just think of just the scope of, of what God was able to do in and through his ministry. Uh, we've been studying, uh, and my name is Brian White. I'm supposed to say my name. Glad you're here. Um, we've been going through Jesus' Beatitudes, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 5 of Matthew. And, and today we're, we're on the sixth Beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Pure in heart. That's kind of fuzzy. You know, I really thought about it this week. What, what does pure in heart really, really mean? What do you think Jesus meant when he said, blessed are the pure in heart? I kind of tried to come up with some examples of people being pure in heart today. And, and it took a while to get a very short list, honestly. I, I really worked on that. But going back to the Bible, what does the Bible have to say about pure in heart? It didn't take me long to realize, outside of uh, this verse in the Sermon on the Mount, the phrase doesn't even appear in the New Testament at all. But we find pure in heart throughout the Old Testament uh, quite a bit. And, and we need to remember always, that is the Bible that Jesus studied. Passages like Psalm 24, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts. Who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. Clean hands, pure hearts. The psalm is saying that yeah, clean hands, which is external purity, right? It's, it's doing the right things. That's not enough. Right action has to be accompanied by a pure heart. Meaning who we are at our deepest core, our, our internal purity. That was what the rabbis taught in Jesus' day. Uh, and Jesus would have been familiar with that teaching, but we need to be very clear that uh, the importance of this balance, clean hands and pure hearts, that was what the rabbis taught, but frankly, Jesus would have only seen half of that lived out by the teachers of the day. Because the reality was, the rabbis, back in Jesus' day, they were really only about the clean hands part. The external purity. They pretty much dropped that whole pure hearts part of the equation completely. There was a collection of laws that the rabbis put together. Started about a generation before Jesus. And, and it was called the Mishnah. And it took a couple hundred years to, to fully put together. But by the time they were done, they had a, a cleanliness category in the Mishnah that was 200 pages long. Laws about making things pure. 200 pages. How to purify pretty much just about anything, you know, anything you can think of for cer ceremonial purposes like hands, tents, 
cookware, immersion pools, I mean, pretty much anything except for one thing. There was not one, one word about a pure heart. Why is that? You know, going through the motions and checking off a list of how to wash your hands the right way is a whole lot easier. I mean, washing your hands is easy, right? And, and besides, people can see you do that. But a pure heart is kind of something entirely different, right? And the Old Testament scriptures, they clearly called for both. But Jesus' day, they basically dropped anything about striving for a pure heart. And they went with looking pure on the outside. Their spirituality boiled down to basically things that other people can see that you're doing. So in practice, that meant their religious, their religious practices, they kind of became a show for other people around them. I mean, they wanted to look holy to other people. And what was going on on the inside really didn't matter much. And Jesus, he just hits this over and over and over in the Gospels. I mean, passages like Matthew 15, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes, they see Jesus' disciples aren't washing their hands according to the purification laws, if you remember the story. And, and that doesn't mean they weren't washing their hands, right? The issue was they weren't jumping through a series of ritualistic hoops that would make them ceremoniously pure was the point. And so Jesus got into it with the Pharisees and the scribes, and he calls them hypocrites. And then he ends up quoting Isaiah 15, or Isaiah to him in, in chapter 15. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. And then a little bit later, Jesus' disciples, and this happens so often, they come to him and they ask, well, can you explain that to us? What was going on there? And in Matthew 15, 19 through 20, he says, for out of the heart comes evil intentions. Out of the heart. Murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile The Pharisees and the scribes, they're just so completely focused on being seen doing the right thing that they lost. What really matters is your heart. The reason behind your actions, the intent, right? And the thing is, other people can't see that, but God can. So Jesus is saying, from God's perspective, you can have the cleanest hands possible, but it doesn't matter if your heart's dirty. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Soren Kierkegaard uh, once, and, and this is actually kind of a famous thing, he taught that pure in heart, those who are pure in heart, are those who only will one thing. They only will one thing. But he said, in the reality, behind human behavior, he said, is multiple motives for the things that we do. 
For the pure in heart, what you see is what you get. The pure in heart, they only have one motive for the things that they're doing. There's no hidden agendas. They're just completely transparent. Everything else just kind of gets stripped away. I thought about that a lot this week. Examples for us. No motive. One and only one focus. We all were really struck Monday, or Tuesday, excuse me, no, Monday, Monday. Um, if you remember, there was a shooting in Richland at Fred Meyer. I take Mondays off, and so I was, actually at the time I was putting in a storm door back home, and, and Tammy came out, and she said, do, do you know, is Damon working Today. So, so we've had several new law enforcement in the last couple of years become part of our church, and it's really proud of that. And Damon's with Richland PD. I said, I don't know. And so I texted him. She told me what was going on, so I texted. And I didn't expect a, a response at all. And then I heard this story a little bit later. So I was on line with Nicole throughout the day. And it was Damon's birthday. And he and his son, Colin, who's back doing our Facebook right now, and Maya was up here playing percussion. And so they were going to meet for, for lunch. And Colin, who's in high school, got a phone call that basically said, something had a Fred Ryer, I got to go, click. And so Colin drove over to Fred Meyer to see what was going on and stopped, I, I think, in um, Goodwill parking lot and uh, some, one of the 70,000 agencies that were there, somebody parked right next to him, grabbed their AR, ran down the road, and he's like, oh, I need to get out of here. Then he called his mom. And, and the thing that we didn't realize was when uh, right after Damon called Colin, he put his phone down on the hood to put his vest on and then left, and so he lost his phone. And so Colin called Nicole to tell her what was going on. That's how she found out. And I just thought about having a singular purpose with no hidden agendas. And I thought about Damon, for one thing, focused on protecting and serving our community but I can't think of anyone that would have more of a singular purpose and no other ulterior motive other than the love of their husband and their dad than someone who is just praying without knowing what's going on. There's no multiple motive when your loved one's in danger or when you've lost contact with them. There's no hidden agendas. You just have singular focus. Nothing else matters. Again, Kierkegaard said, the pure in heart are those who just will one thing. 
But the reality behind human behavior is there are so many multiple motives going on behind the things that we do day in and day out. And Jesus' beef with the religious leaders of the day was complete duplicity in their lives. Their walk didn't match their talk. Such a consistent theme with Jesus. Such a consistent theme. And one that we need to continually take stock in as we look in our spiritual mirror, that mirror that reflects our heart. What's in your heart? How many motives? Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside might also become clean. Woe to you, Jesus says, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but on the inside are just full of the bones of the dead and all kind of filth. So also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness, duplicity. The, the teachers in Jesus' day, they were only focused on being seen doing the right thing. It's not that the actions are bad. Please don't misunderstand. It's just that's all that they were focused on. Being seen doing the right thing by other people, that was their motive. And like I said, don't misunderstand. Studying the scripture, observing the Sabbath, that stuff is huge, important, but it's the motive behind those things that Jesus is concerned about. Is the reason I want to lead this Bible study so everyone's going to see me as a spiritual giant? Jesus is focused on what's behind the actions that we do, not the actions themselves. Remember the Beatitudes. They're, they're, they're glimpses of life in Jesus' kingdom, right? The, these things are what happens when Jesus rules. So Jesus doesn't ever pronounce, not once, in all of these Beatitudes, he never pronounces anyone blessed for doing a specific action. Out of all nine Beatitudes, not one is about doing a concrete thing. It's what's in the center that is really important. This is what matters. Being poor in spirit. Those who are mourning a loss. Those who are powerless. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who are merciful. Now, those who are pure in heart. The blessings in these Beatitudes, they stem from the core of your being. In Jesus' day, your heart was your center of everything. What's going on in your heart dictates the blessing. And what is the blessing for those who are pure in heart? Well, they get to see God. They get to see God. God will become visible to the pure in heart. The pure in heart will get to look upon God. They'll get to be with God. I mean, this is a blessing for all eternity, right? 
So in just a little over two weeks from now, we're going to go into the season of Lent. And Lent is like a 40-day spiritual boot camp, is how I always think about it. Preparation for Easter, right? It's a time that we focus intentionally on our spiritual formation. It's a time when we work on healing and restoring relationships. It's a time for us to work on our relationship with God. Traditionally, it's a time we focus on spiritual disciplines. Maybe we try a new one. We add something. We devote some time to prayer, journaling, fasting. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff and a bunch of them that we can do. But a lot of times, I think we think we're just supposed to give up something for Lent. If I give up soda or chocolate, I have joined in Jesus' selfless act of giving himself for us. <laughs> now, that's easy for me to say because I don't really eat sweets or drink pop. And so, you know. For, for some of you it might be, and I'm just joking, but you know, don't get me wrong. Self-denial is definitely, definitely part of spiritual formation, but, but don't just wash your hands is my point. Lent's about your heart. It, it's time that we take stock of our multiple motives, and we all have them. And these hidden agendas that are just, you know, down deep in our center core being. And they're part of the human condition. But we offer them to God in this season in an expectation that we might experience a resurrection. We're going to be preaching through the Lord's Prayer through Lent. And, um, and I'm going to lead a class uh, on the Lord's Prayer Wednesday nights. If you want to go deeper, we'll be here at the church. And I, I think we're going to do that online as well for all you guys online. You know, the Lord's Prayer, is, it, it's, it's more of a way of life. And I do believe it's, it's the key to a pure heart. You're going to hear way more about that, but, but for right now, I just want you to think, what is some special thing that you can do over the 40 days of Lent that will help you develop a more pure heart? Stars on Ash Wednesday, that's, like I said, just a little over two weeks away. And usually on Ash Wednesday, uh, we read from Matthew 6, the first 18 verses. And, and, and I want to read them. I, I, they really hit me this week as I was thinking about this. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they might be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. And when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, so your Father who sees in secret will reward and whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they might be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go in your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. But pray in this way. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting might be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in seek, sees you in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You know, I really believe this is, this is a roadmap to a pure heart. No hidden agendas. No multiple motives. And I just wonder, if we as a church were going to approach Lent as an opportunity to collectively pursue these words through 40 days, what could God do? Martin Luther once said, what is meant by a pure heart is this, a heart that is watching and pondering what God says and replacing its own ideas with the word of God. That's Lent. A time that we take stock of our actions and we offer them to God that God might bring life from a dead tomb. It's time we journey through our, the interior castle of our hearts. Teresa of Avila called, we, we have this interior castle. And we take inventory and we deal with what is in there. And we thrust back the curtains and we open up the windows and we let the sun shine in and we sweep out all of the dust that's collected over the years in every one of those rooms. Some of these rooms we boarded up for years. The closets, the crawl spaces. Pursuing a pure heart. In prayer, little by little, turning it over to God. All of the ulterior motives. What would that look like? I think we'd see God. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you on this day. For hope. For new life. I thank you for Holy Spirit, which enters into our very being, the most center place in our heart and is able to bring forth new life. As we prepare for this season, which ends in a tomb, but culminates in a resurrection, Lord, bring forth life. In Jesus' name, amen.